As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Castle Talk, where we talk to writers and creators of today's genre worlds. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, author of This Winter's Young Captain Nemo from Fiveland Friends Macmillan Books. Tonight, Charles Rutledge is the author of Dracula's Revenge, a Jennifer Grail Carter de Camp novella. He's the co-author of three books in the Griffin and Price crime horror series, Blind Shadows, Congregations of the Dead, and A Hell Within, all written with James Moore. He's got a lot of short stories out there uh, he, from everything from horror to action, black ops, what have you. Charles lives in the Atlanta area, and he I, I'm, I watch your Facebook feed all the time. You are way, way into books and gothic novels novels and and we have a lot in common in that arena welcome charles thank you uh, good to be here oh very excited to talk to you uh because you know like i said i've been watching your feed for for a long time and and i knew that you were super into gothic and then i'm a dracula fan so i noticed this new novella that you've done dracula's revenge and and uh, i read it so i have i have several questions but first of all tell me a little bit about this book it's not a, a gothic it's actually a gothic slash crime drama correct yeah it's a uh, it's a crime novel that has vampires in it that's what i keep telling everyone so. <laughs> and what's a, yeah, what's so. a crime novel what's a crime novel as opposed to like an action book or something like that uh, a crime novel generally just has like more cops and bad guys and gangsters but i mean it you know it's suspense thriller whatever you want to label it right 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 so the the plot is you you have this pair Jennifer Grail, who is a police detective, and her sort of constant semi-official partner uh, consultant, a, a gentleman named Carter DeCamp, which to me sounds like an homage to various old names in science fiction. And, yes, and he, that's, that's actually a very funny story. Yeah, how's that? How, and this isn't the first book that they've been in, right? Uh, DeCamp is actually a continuing character in the Griffin and Price novels. Oh, okay. And uh, oh. Jennifer Grail has been in several of my short stories, but this is her first appearance in a longer work. Oh. But so, yeah, the, the DeCamp thing is actually kind of funny because I made him up like 
maybe 20 years ago for some short stories I was writing for a, a friend's Halloween party. I would Every year I would make up a story and read it, and he was a character that I just needed to be sort of like, you know, the guy that knew everything. And right. I actually had one of the Lancer Conans on my desk, and it said El Sprague de Camp and Lynn Carter. El de Camp, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I just pulled it off there just, you know, as a gag and uh you know, twenty years later, he's starring in actual books. That's nice. I wish that I wish that Sprague was still alive because he, he would probably find that uh, he, delightful. I know Carter would. Yeah, Lynn Carter would. He loved that kind of thing. So, and yeah, Sprague probably would as well. What the story is actually about: we have a series of murders that are happening in this in this town, uh, and and I, I don't is it is it Atlanta? Where it, is the actual town? No, there? the town is called Gatesville, and uh, it's not a real town. It's based on Marietta, Georgia, and Kennesaw, Georgia. And okay. there are scenes that take place in the actual Marietta in the story because Carter DeCamp lives uh, in Marietta. Right, right. So Gatesville yeah. is like a it's, a, it's a place where I can wreck stuff if I need to without wrecking the real world. Sure. And they got warehouses and they've got they've got mansions and rich people and and, yep. and what have you. Yeah. Uh, so a, a, a bunch of murders have taken place. Miss Grail, uh, Detective Grail immediately thinks, you know, gosh, this is a lot like vampires. And what's interesting is that because everybody lives in a world where they've heard of all of that, but it's it's thought to be fiction, uh, you know, you can both. You can both deny that that would be normal, but also move really quickly into, uh, yes, there are vampires. And for some reason, there's something going on where where someone is trying to kill a whole bunch of people who are connected somehow or another. And I don't necessarily want to give it away other than to say that, that they're connected to Dracula. Exactly. Be, yeah, thanks. That, <laughs> that's we, given away in the title, so it's okay. Yeah, we won't give it too much of it away. But yeah, no, I, it's funny because, you know, I always hate that scene in movies where they're like, you know, gee, do you think it's really vampires? And it's, you know, it's pretty obvious that it's vampires. Right. So right. Uh, I try yes. to like, well, okay, this is where this is going. I'm just going there. What what I what I like about um, this book, actually, is is if you are a geek about horror movies and vampires and Dracula and all that stuff, you just sort of toss off all kinds of things to indicate that you know what you're talking about. You know, everything from, you know, the Scholomance, which is a, a, a devil school traditionally mentioned mentioned in in the early chapters of actually i guess it's chapter 18 of dracula and or uh uh you know all the different movies and what have you your 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 awareness of dracula that you just throw in to the book comes from the high and the low it's amazing i read a lot about dracula it is one of my favorite novels and i like you know the movies and i've read all the tomb of dracula comics i mean my knowledge of dracula as you say goes pretty much across the spectrum. Uh, an interesting thing about the Scholomance is it was also known as the Deep School, mm. and it shows up in some other horror. Uh, a couple of the stories uh, by Manly Wade Wellman, you know, who created John the Balladeer and John Thunstone. Sure. Uh, those take place and are concerned with the Deep School. His, his collection of John the Balladeer stories is um, Who Fears the Devil. In fact, I actually have a copy autographed by Wellman. Wow. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you actually about, about you know, no, novellas and sure. and how you're doing this. See, like, for instance, novellas for the longest time were kind of not really a, a thing. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, maybe they would get published. In, it's an odd length for like a, an anthology of short stories. It's certainly an odd length for paperbacks. In the last 20 years, you wouldn't so much publish a novella. And, you know, because it's something that's typically between 25 and 50 
thousand words, I guess. Yep. And, you know, but now with the advent of eBooks, I mean, major publishers like HarperCollins and, 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 and whatever are, are all sort of moving into this novella space. Why is exactly. that? What's going on? Well, I think it is just the, uh, the availability of the ebook because before it was hard to sell the things and where did you put them? You know, they could be part of a collection or, you know, you couldn't just make a, a paperback of a novella after the 60s or 70s. I think Donald Walheim actually made quite a few paperbacks out of those. But, you know, so it's, it's the availability of the medium. Suddenly you can use it again. People don't mind paying a couple of bucks, you know, for 30 to 40,000 words. Right. And so, so you, you've kind of moved into this as something that you're doing with your career. You do this novella and then you, uh, you're doing sequels. Is that right? Uh, yes. I just finished the sequel to, uh, the Dracula's Revenge last weekend. I'm letting it sit, you know, for a couple of weeks before I edit it. Is so, that yeah. the advice that you would give to, like, I think Orson Scott Card said something like, you know, let it set for what is, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Stephen King likes to set some, set something away for like three months, I think, before mm-hmm. going back to it. So he says, but yeah, anyway, but you do that. recommend that in general. To, Very much to like, so. It, it's best if you can come back to it after you've forgotten a lot of it, because that way you read it as a reader and not as the writer. Wow, that's it interesting. It comes fresh to you, and you can spot your mistakes, and you know you get a better idea. So I, I try to wait a minimum of two weeks, but I, sometimes I will go a month. You know, it kind of depends on what else I've got to work on. Sure. You know, because I, sure. I try to stay busy. So if I have something else to write immediately, I'll you know can let something sit longer. What does it take to? It seems to me that the, the most the most difficult thing if you're if you're trying to build up your writing career with eBooks, you know, there's no paper to throw around, you know, and so like how do you build how do you build your audience? I mean, what what do you how do you do this? Because I, I know I mean I see that Facebook is a huge part of it, but as what, what do you do? I use, as you say, I use social media, Facebook and Twitter, and a lot of it is just word of mouth. It also helps that I've already done a lot of stuff, so people are kind of looking for new stuff by me. Yeah. You know, and it's also good if if you can get reviews, obviously, on Amazon, Goodreads, uh, you know, uh, bloggers, other authors pushing your stuff, which is a huge, huge thing. Uh, That's why it's good to have a community of writer friends because you can all promote one another. Yeah. So their readers become your readers and, you know, it it gets your name out there. But uh, I don't, I probably don't hustle as much as I should. Like I don't have a newsletter, you know, I, I understand that's a good marketing tool and I might do that, but so far I haven't. So yeah, mostly I just get out there and talk about it a lot and, and count on, you know, uh, uh, word of mouth to a large degree. Sure. I, uh, you know, I'm wondering who the, I haven't seen a lot of demographic data on readers. I know that a lot of people are subscribing to the Kindle uh, experience, whatever you call it. There's a subscription service where you can just kind of download a whole bunch of stuff. Authors mm-hmm. get paid yep. by the by the page and so forth. Kindle Unlimited. But yeah, but it's changed how people read. I mean, there's a there, you know, it's a lot of people will subscribe and it gives them access to a whole bunch of stuff that they can try that they wouldn't necessarily have have bought before. But I have no idea how big this audience is. I mean. It, is it, uh, you know, do, do you have do you have any understanding of of like 
like what the opportunities are out there for a writer to find readers? I'm really, I'm fairly new at this. In fact, uh, Dracula's Revenge is an experiment because ah. I had several friends who were selling a lot of ebooks and who were selling a lot of novellas, in particular, uh, John Hartness. You know, John does yeah. uh, a, a lot of urban fantasy stuff. He's a really, you know, good guy and a good writer. And uh, I was talking to him a bit about it, and he was doing a lot of novellas, and it's a length I like. So I thought, hey, I should try this. So, you know, I wrote this one as an experiment, Dracula's Revenge, and it took me a good, it actually took longer to write it than it normally takes me to write a book because I was kind of, you know, learning the uh, the feel for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got, you know, I did that and it has sold remarkably well. I've been very uh, pleased with how it's done and how it's been received, but it'll still be some time. I need more novellas out there because Apparently, that's the key. You you want a lot of them so that people will see them. If they like one, they'll get the others. You know, it, it, it's yeah. kind of Jay Conrath method. You, you just keep building that audience. You know, it, it makes me think of, like, uh, guys like... like... Uh, Dan Ross, who, who did the Dark Shadows novels back in the yes. day, so those and, things and were like of Gothics is Marilyn Ross. That's right. That's right. Well, and and the God, I think that the Dark Shadows ones were as Marilyn. Ross's yeah, they're Marilyn. Too. Yeah, yeah. And, and but but those books were quite short. You know, they were probably like mm -hmm. sixty thousand words. Yep. And he turned one out like every six weeks, to my knowledge. Oh you yeah. Know? And yeah. You know, and he's going into the drugstore, but it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I recognize this guy's name. I recognize the Gothic paperback library. And so I got one last week. I liked it. Here's another one. And I'm just, you know, and just, but you're right. To be able to do that, you have to, you have to build up this, um, this library of stuff that, that, that people will, you know, so they know, they know your name and they know to, to get the next one. It also helps. Because uh, I really do consider myself sort of a modern day pulp writer, you know, like mm -hmm. Lester Dent, who wrote Doc Savage, and absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I uh, that's really sort of how I look at things because I write to entertain, I write to have fun, I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I have a job, and you know, I've had a career for many years, so it's something else that I do. I don't consider yeah. it a hobby, but it is definitely something you know that I do because I want to. Right. Right. I don't even know what you call that. If you have a hobby that that pays and sometimes pays real money, but you have a second I guess job. you call it it's a second job. That's second what it job. is. Yeah, that's, that's what, what the is. IRS calls it. So yeah, that's what they call it. You bet. Yeah. So uh, you you have to do all that stuff. So uh, do you but, think people are afraid of saying that? Do you think that like like for instance, if I have a second job where I drive an Uber, you know, there's no big deal in saying yeah, I'm an Uber driver. But do you think people are afraid of saying you know I'm a writer? That's one of the things I do. Uh, probably because, you know, the reactions you get sometimes uh, are, you know, well, what have you written? I mean, you know, people seem to almost take it as it, it's not a real thing, you know, like you're just messing around. But you get enough books on the shelf and you have enough books at Amazon and people see them and are like, oh, well, I guess you're really doing this. I guess you're real. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're for real. You know, what's the... Once they see you in a couple of anthologies with some people they've heard of, that that's yes. a big thing. They're like, oh, wait, you're in a book with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. That is so interesting. Um, <laughs> like he, I know he's real, so you you might be. So, so you must be real. Again, not a problem if you're an Uber driver. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no. Wow. I would, I would think not. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is interesting, the perception of riders. And, you know, I mean, realistically – uh, it's hard to make a living writing. I know a lot of people don't. So, I mean, very few people do. I, very I, few I think people do. At, at I think I could. I mean, it, it, making a living writing. 
I don't know. I have at various times, but to be honest, I find keeping a day job where they pay you real money and give you jo- give you insurance is yep. uh, it's pretty darn important, you know. <laughs> the, yeah, and but, you, um, you, it takes the uh, the worry out of it, and you can write what you want. Right, right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get back to Gothic for just a sure. second. Sure, always enjoy really, talking about those. I'm really curious about this. Um, I think you mentioned that you knew of somebody who was who was trying to do new Gothic romances. Uh, I gothic know romances. People. So, for the listener, the Gothic. Could you describe what was a Gothic romance? And and I say was because as a genre, I think it's fair to say that it had its heyday in the middle of the century, and it's kind of, you know. It's sort of uh, if it if it exists now, it's on its way back. It's you know it, is it was a back. thing in the sixties. Yeah, it yeah. went from the mid sixties to the late seventies. There yeah. were still a few out there by the early eighties, but the the you know the big push, the fad was over. At one time, there were that was you know you go to the drugstore or something, and that was all they had on the spinner racks were gothic paperbacks. Yes. And uh, my mom actually read them hand over fist. That's where I learned about them. She read hundreds of them when I was a little boy. And, yeah. uh, and they all have the same cover, which is a woman in a nightdress wanting away from a house or a castle that has one window lit. It's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, you think about this, like the, the 60s being the time of, of, you know, all this social revolution, all of, you know, the women's live movement, all sure. this stuff. And, and the most popular genre it's not irony. It's reflective. It is. It pictures a woman running away from a house. Yeah. I mean, that is. That's. That's just so kind of beautiful when you think of like what is the actual painting of of the women's live movement? It's a woman running from a house, and yeah. that's yeah. And these these stories were always, you know, roughly speaking, there were there were changes, but but generally speaking, it was a woman who would find herself in a position that is neither a servant nor the master in a in a house discovers dark secrets and has to solve them and and keep herself safe and it's and it's rebecca it's jane Eyre. so that died i don't know why it died maybe it died because it was a fad i mean what 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 led to the end of it i think to a large degree it simply was replaced by something else which is what happens to most fads because Toward the end of what we think of as the, you know, the gothic romance, you started having the what were, were called women in jeopardy. Oh. And so it became like suspense where a woman is threatened by, you know, a man or a situation or something. So it's kind of like a gothic, but it's more of a modern thing. Mm. You know, okay. what's that, uh, the, I'm trying to think of the movie... Uh, with Julie Roberts, sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. It, it, yes, that yeah. sort of that that sort of suspense kind of came in, and a lot of the same women who had been writing gothics moved to writing mysteries and thrillers. You know, it's kind of like the way that the uh, spaghetti westerns uh, supplanted the uh, uh, sword and sandal muscle men movies. That's true. Okay, yeah. So you said you know of, of several people who are who are. Do, do you have any desire to to try your hand at a gothic romance? You know, I may at some point. I, I it's one of those things where I, I I try not to say, oh sure, I could do that because it's not as easy as it looks. I would think. And uh, I tend to write, you know, a kind of actiony stuff. So I would have to kind of yeah. really tone myself down. But yeah, one of uh, the. Uh, the writer I usually refer to is my friend Amanda DeWeese, and you've probably hmm. seen me talking about Amanda on Facebook because we hang out a lot. And uh, yeah. she writes uh, some flat-out gothic romances. She also writes historical mysteries and that sort of thing. But she's 
the first book of her uh, hers I read was called Sea of Secrets, and I read it. I didn't know her. I read it mm. because I saw it on Amazon, and it had a girl running away from a house. I mean, it looked like Wonderful. a gothic romance, and I'm like, oh, i got to read this. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that the new world of ebooks allows us to sort of explore these things. In the same way that the crime... Gosh, um, hard case crime is not going with ebooks, but they are trying to reproduce, um, you know, classic crime novels. Yeah, like the gold the, medal books from the '60s. Absolutely, yeah, and they're even they're even publishing new. They'll get new paintings that look yeah, like the by Robert McGinnis, the guy that painted the ones in the '60s. Right, <laughs> isn't that fabulous? Same guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. A few of the same authors, though sometimes they're, you know, <laughs> printing them after they've passed on, but still. Sure. They they published one that I read that was by Michael Crichton, something that he wrote as yeah. a pulp crime drama, like while he was in med school. Yep. You know, and, yeah. It was, and, and Everybody starts it's, somewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's escaping me now. It's funny to think of Crichton, like, after he's studying, like, kicking back and tossing off a couple thousand words of a, of a you know, terrorists are going to poison the atmosphere crime novel. And that's, that's pretty great. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking well, uh, of which, something that's interesting yeah. about the whole gothic romance craze was you had a lot of people who were well known for other things who wrote them under pseudonyms. Uh, the one I usually use is Frank Belknap Long, one of the Lovecraft circle. And he wrote oh, yeah. nine gothics using his wife's name. Her name was Lida. Oh, uh, and so you see these books by Lida Belknap Long. Uh, she didn't write a word of them. That's Frank. So a lot of a lot of men, these men were writing under women's names for the Gothic. Yep. How interesting. Uh, I think I think Charles L. Grant even wrote some. I mean, it's some people you know you'd be familiar with. So uh, yeah, uh, there was yeah. a lot of that going on. Well, and we and we mentioned Dan Ross, who was Dan there. Ross, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, when you're when you're writing. Uh, how like do you try to be constantly writing? Do you, do you have months where you're not doing anything, or are you sort of constantly trying I'm to? I'm pretty uh, much. If I'm not writing, I'm thinking about what I will be writing or researching what I will be writing. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much always thinking about it or doing it. That's fabulous. How many words do you try to knock out when you're when you're working? You know, I try to do 1,200 words a day, and that takes me about an hour. How did you settle on 1,200? Uh, since I usually write thrillers, most of them have short chapters between nine and twelve hundred words. I see. That gives a feeling of pace. Uh, it moves a book along quickly, and also people will read more chapters before they go to bed because they're like, "Well, this is another short chapter. I could read a couple more." Yeah, I can see that. Actually, it's first I shoot for about a thousand. One thing that I find really challenging is you pick up the next day. And you left yourself on kind of a, a high note, a, you know, some kind of a cliffhanger or something. And there's a tendency, I have a tendency, you come back in and you kind of start the moment over. But the reader didn't start the moment over. You need to just sort of like figure out a way to recapture the energy of where you, you left off. And uh, it's a challenge. You know, the, it is. there's, yeah, I mean, I've heard people say you should rewrite, reread the last few hundred words of what you wrote the night before so that you sound like yourself was the way, the way people said I, you it. Know, I tr I, you can do that in the early portions of a book, but it starts getting longer, you know, to go back and reread. Lawrence Block said he used to reread everything until it got too long. But, Good yeah, I'll grief. usually read the last chapter or I might check and go, what was I doing? Oh, okay. And then I'll just go to it. But I, I do the majority of my writing very early in the mornings. That's the Is best that so? time for me. Really? Early in yeah. the morning? Yeah, usually. Mean I, like, I mean, I get up if I'm if, like if I'm going to my day job. 
I get up, I get out of the shower, I write for 45 minutes to an hour, and I go to my job. And on the weekends, I get up at the same time, and I might write for a couple of hours. That's then I'm really done for inspiring. The day. I, I think that the listener can listen to that and go, well, that's something that I could do. You know, yeah. I could dedicate 45 minutes before I, before that, I get Well, the work. thing is, and, and Jim Moore, the guy that I wrote the Griffin and Price series with, he even tells people whenever somebody's saying, oh, I, I just don't have time to write. And he's like, you know, the guy that writes these books with me, is he's in his desk at 6 a.m., and he gets up and writes for an hour before he goes to work. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. He doesn't tell them I'm an insomniac. He just makes them feel bad. See. Well, it's it's inspiring though. That 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 and and to be honest with you, if you're a professional person, especially if you have kids, you have all that stuff. The mm-hmm. only time you can really carve time out is early, is before early. the rest of the day. That's pretty yep. much it. Until the kids are gone and all that stuff. Early is about it as far as your your options go. Um, that's really cool. So when will we see the new Dracula book? Uh, I, I'm thinking toward the end of next month, but don't hold me to that because I have a lot of things I owe other people right now. Oh, you're doing a lot short, of short stories, stories and articles, and uh, I'm editing a couple of anthologies for people, and uh, I, I have a lot of irons in the fire. That is fabulous. That's really yeah, fabulous. So that's well, that's that okay I because have. well, Dracula's Revenge just came out though, so you can give it time uh, January. To yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, you do, you don't need something to come out. No, until, like, not that quick. Um, you could do but, it once a year if you wanted to. Though. I could. Uh, I, tr- I like to do, a, I mean, as I say, I write a lot. I enjoy it. Uh, I'd like to do four novellas a year if I could do that. Mm. That sounds but like a really good it just depends, yeah, on what else, I'm, what else I'm writing. But something we were talking about earlier and we kind of got away from, I wanted to come back to for a moment, though. Yeah. The thing about the novella and the ebooks in particular is this is, you know, I'm a hybrid author. That means, you know, I've been published by a lot of publishers, but I'm publishing these myself, another experiment. And one of the things about that, though, is you can do things. You don't have to worry about, hey, do I think an editor wants a crime novel with Dracula in it? Right. You know, so you right. can you can pick your wildest ideas, things that you, you don't have any market you can think of for, and just do it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to write this. That's really interesting. So, I mean, on the other hand, you're giving up the option to go after an editor a publisher for it because you're kind of you're you're putting it out there but i I, that is a really interesting strategy to go this is a thing that honestly i don't want to waste two years trying to convince a publisher to take this i could i could just do it wow because everybody looks at me funny when i tell them you know it's a crime novel with dracula in it and also uh you know i have i'm always having ideas that are like weird crossovers and that can be a hard sell to editors because you know, people tend to want one thing. They don't want a combination of things. They want a mystery or they want a science fiction or they want horror. They don't necessarily want horror with, you know, monsters. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. So whatever idea you've got that you you really want to write it, but you don't know that anybody would, would buy it from you, just do it yourself. Publish it. All it costs you is your time. That's that's amazing. I assume that you would recommend them. Like, your your cover looks really great. It, it looks it looks very professional. And I think, Thanks. I mean, yeah, there's, I probably, uh, there's probably a million, like, best practices when it comes to, to you know, self-producing a, a, a book of any kind. You know, I mean, certainly you've been professionally edited, so you bring that knowledge on how to do that to your own. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. But I also have a lot of friends who are writers because uh, Jim Moore did a red line edit on that book. And uh, mm-hmm. I have several of my other friends who are authors who also read it, pointed out typos, made suggestions. So I wasn't alone. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. So because you it's, you're always going to miss stuff. I, the last time I read it in its uh, digital format, I'm like, oops, there's a typo. But you can, know, and, good thing and about in theory, it, uh, you can even fix them if you, you want it to. You can. You can redo it. I did. I went back and fixed it. It'd take about a day for the new uh, version to uh, overwrite, and it will even overwrite the ones people have already downloaded. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so it's a really like... interesting uh, technology, and to me, it's very exciting because you know, let's like say if you have an idea that hey, nobody wants this, just do it yourself. No, that's a that 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 is amazing because if something by some you know it, it could end up like catching fire, people yeah, might know. actually yeah you know, but it doesn't matter because in the end, this is your art, and you're just gonna do whatever the hell you want. Precisely, this is exactly what I wanted to write. Didn't need to yeah. get anybody's permission. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I wasn't looking yeah. for approval. It's like, nope, I'm, I want to do this. And I, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to have the versions of Dracula and the Frankenstein monster, who's also in the book, from mm. the original novels. I didn't want them to be watered down, movie version, whatever. It's those guys. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. And I like the description of both of the characters because they're they're very literate and, and very, you know, in keeping with what... You would, you don't have to be deeply familiar with the novels to know that, but uh, but it, it's, a, it's a nice payoff, uh, if you are. But yeah, so, I, I tried yeah. to... to Throw that in there for people who were familiar with it. They would know, okay, that's actually what Bram Stoker and Mary Shelley said. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The yellow skin and, and, and everything. The watery eyes and the black hair and the, yeah. Yeah. The, and Dracula's an old man. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the book is Dracula's Revenge, a Jennifer Grail Carter DeCamp novella. It is a hard crime novel with detectives, but it also has... Uh, the supernatural in the form of yep. vampires and really nasty, fast-moving vampires. They're nasty uh, vampires. I, I totally enjoyed reading it. I, I really love crime novels to begin with, so I enjoyed how much that felt like a crime novel, and then and then the supernatural comes in. That was a nice payoff. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, Charles. And and I enjoyed it. Uh, I hope we do it again real soon. Um, have a fantastic evening. You as well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.